So today we're presented in Luke's gospel with his accounts of the Beatitudes, and that can be a great challenge for us. The challenge is, it seems so difficult and so harsh, it seems so, really, a a great task. Woe to you who are rich now, for you have received your reward. Blessed are you who are poor. It's so contrary to so much of what our world around us tells us is what life is made for, that we ought to seek success in this world, that we ought to seek what the world deems to be happiness, that these are the things we should pursue. And so our challenge is we tend to think that the Beatitudes are just for the super holy people. The Beatitudes are the extra things that we have to do or that that, that the really holy people do. And it's not necessarily for me. But to the contrary, every single church father from St. Augustine all the way down to Pope Francis today tell us that the key to living the Christian life, the key to living the Christian life is the Beatitudes. They are the summary and the program of what it means to be Christian. Pope Francis wrote recently, the Beatitudes are like a Christian's identity card. So if anyone asks, what must one do to be a good Christian? The answer is clear. We have to do each in our own way what Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount. In the Beatitudes, we find a portrait of the master, which we are called to reflect in our daily lives. And so this challenging thing that's placed in front of us today is what we are called to. It's what it means to be a Christian. And so what we could do in this homily is reflect on them in two ways. One is we could go into each one and kind of explain what that means. There are plenty of opportunities to do that. But I think what's more important is for us to understand what they mean fitting into the general Christian life. What being a Christian really means. And what the Beatitudes do is they draw this sharp distinction between the Christian way of living and the secular way of living between pursuing beatitude and holiness and pursuing myself. Pope Francis writes, they clearly run counter to the way things are usually done in our world. Even if we find Jesus's message attractive, the world pushes us towards another way of living. The beatitudes are in no way trite or undemanding, quite the opposite. We can only practice them if the Holy Spirit fills us with his power and frees us from our weaknesses, our selfishness, and our complacency and our pride. Each of the Beatitudes points very distinctly and sharply to a different way of living, different than the way the world says. The world says you should pursue wealth. You should pursue riches. And Jesus says, blessed are you who are poor. The world says you should pursue a certain type of happiness, a a, a frivolity even sometimes. And the Lord says, blessed are you who mourn. The world says that you should have your fill of experience, your fill of pleasures. And Jesus says, blessed are you who are hungry. The world says that you should be well-liked. You should be popular. You should have all sorts of people liking your posts on Instagram and praising you. And Jesus says, blessed are you when you are hated and people turn away from you and persecute you. It's one of the most resounding summaries of Jesus' own preaching in his life. Jesus preaches the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is not of this world. 
The kingdom of God is not the world's way of acting. The kingdom of God is something different. He tells Pontius Pilate when he's going to his death, my kingdom is not of this world. He says to us in a, in a later part of the Sermon on the Mount, do not worry about what you will wear or what you will eat or what you will drink. All these things the pagans worry about, but you seek first the kingdom of God. And so it's clear what the Beatitudes mean for us is that being a Christian means a living a different way of living, a different life than what the world tells us is important. It means having a radical difference. And the early Christians, the first followers of Jesus, saw this. They saw being Christian, becoming Christian, as changing their lives from the way the world lived. That they had to start living for a new life and living for heaven and not for the things of this world. We have an early letter from the uh, second century called the Letter to Diogenes. It's one of my favorites. And he's describing Christians. He says, they exist in the flesh, but they do not live by the flesh. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws, all the while surpassing the laws by their lives. They love all men and are persecuted by all. They are unknown and condemned. They are put to death and restored to life. They are poor, yet make many rich. They lack everything, yet they overflow in everything. They are dishonored, and yet in their very dishonor they are glorified. They are spoken ill of, and yet are justified. They are reviled, but blessed. They are insulted and repay the insult with honor. They do good, yet are punished as evildoers when punished. They rejoice as if, re if raised from the dead. This is radical. This is radical. And this, brothers and sisters, is what it means to be a Christian. Being a Christian is more than just coming to Mass on Sundays and being a good person. Being a Christian is a radical following of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of pursuing him, pursuing him and the ways he speaks to us, and living a life that is different from the world's way of living. So how then do we do that? It's all well and good to read something from the second century. What does it mean for me here and now? The first, and I've got three steps, three things to focus on, I think, that can help us. There's always more, but three things. First, focus on your goal. Focus on your goal. Ask yourself, what is your goal in this life? What is it that you're seeking? Are you seeking heaven or are you seeking yourself? Are you seeking blessedness or are you seeking pleasure and experience? What is your goal? If you know what the goal is, everything else follows behind that. If you are seeking heaven, if you are seeking beatitude, if you are seeking the blessedness which overflows our souls and leads us to glory, it's going to change the way you live your life. It's going to change everything. When you know the goal, when you know the end, when you are in love with him, then you will pursue him. Then all the things that seem difficult in the Beatitudes are not only worth it, I want to do them because they lead me closer to my goal. The beauty of the Beatitudes is that by pursuing God, by making him my goal, I actually find more joy in this life rather than less. If I pursue the things in this world and I pursue myself in order to try and make myself happy, 
I end up, like the first reading says, in a desert waste, in a lava waste. All the things that seem to be enticing and happy turn out dry and dreary. And they are not what we were made for. But if I die to myself, if I pursue him and make him my goal, make blessedness my goal, then the blessedness of heaven, I begin to live here and now. We've all met people, I've used this example before, but we've all met people in our lives who are already living in heaven, who have this joy of the gospel overflowing in them. And even when difficulties happen in their life, they rejoice because they know the Lord and he dwells in their hearts and they know the goal to which they are going. And we also all know people who have everything that they wanted, who have pursued themselves and have gained themselves, have gained success and riches in this life and are dry and desiccated and are not happy. It's a proverb that when you have everything you wanted, you only want more and the things you wanted don't satisfy. When you turn to the Lord, when he is your goal, life overflows with abundance. The second step, if you, once you know your goal, is, of course, to make different choices. We can say, I want to go to heaven, but then if we don't do anything, then what's the point? We're not actually pursuing him. It means practically choosing poverty over riches, choosing hunger over satisfying ourselves, dying to self. This is what truly makes us happy. What truly makes us happy is when we are living contrary to what the world says will make us happy. What truly makes us happy is choosing deliberately these things, the things that Jesus says are going to lead us to blessedness. And what happens is a great joy. But this takes practice. We have to train ourselves to do it. St. Ignatius writes, we need to train ourselves in, to be indifferent in our attitude to all created things, in all that is permitted to our free will and not forbidden, so that on our part we do not set our hearts on good health, but rather than bad, riches rather than poverty, honor rather than dishonor, a long life rather than a short one. We need to choose and embrace it. And then the third step is to embrace the poverty that is given to us. Oftentimes, we don't need to go out seeking to die to ourselves. The Lord does it for us. And our first instinct usually is to complain in those situations and try and fix it. I'm feeling sick. I need to fix it and feel better. I failed in some way. I need to fix it and get it right. I'm inadequate in my own mind or my heart, and I need to fix it and make myself feel better. That usually doesn't lead to joy. But if we embrace our poverty... Embrace the areas of our life that we wish were greater according to the way the world works. We find freedom, true freedom. Poverty in heart of our heart is an encounter with our own weakness. And by not complaining, but embracing it as best we can, we participate already in true blessedness. Now, the last thing about the Beatitudes, lest we think it's this intense disciplinary struggle is that we have to focus on the first word of each one. Blessed. Blessed are you. That blessedness is a happiness which is deeper than the world's way of living happiness. 
It's a happiness that sinks into our hearts, into the depths of us, so that even when we're persecuted, we rejoice. And that rejoicing is not just like grinning, gritting our teeth and grinning, but it springs up from a real font of goodness. We are promised blessedness. We are promised happiness. And Pope Francis says this in that same commentary he did on the Beatitudes. The word happy or blessed thus becomes a synonym for holy. It expresses the fact that those faithful to God and his word by their self-giving gain true happiness. If the Beatitudes are the identity card of being a Christian, then the description on that identity card is not just that they are dying to the world, but that Christians who are living out their faith are truly and lastingly happy. That you are filled with joy. That is what you're made for. That's the promise Jesus has for you. It means dying to ourselves and following the Beatitudes. But if we do that, we find joy. We find true joy of heart. So pursue him. He is your goal. Pursue heaven. Choose to die to this world. Choose to be poor, to be hungry, to be persecuted, and you will find blessedness.